Rose, look at me. I am. It was when I was in Bosnia. We were in this town. It had been mixed. Christian, Muslim. There was a beautiful bridge over the river. They were shelling the town. And I thought it'll be just like an Andrich's novel. The bridge will be destroyed. This symbol, this old, old link between people. The barbarians of war will destroy it. And all that'll be left will be dust and bitter history. I spent an hour photographing it. I remember thinking, if I'm hit or killed, maybe the photos will survive. And in a way, the bridge will survive. Or a memory of it. But they didn't destroy it. It's still there. Used now as an image in a beer commercial. It was near there we found them. An ordinary house. Everyone said the family had been as normal or not as everyone else around. One son in the army. A father out of work. Used to be a carpenter. The mother a beauty. One neighbour said to me afterwards. Mister... She was like a new spun moon. Two small children. A girl. A boy. For days they hadn't been seen. It was hard to get to school, but apparently these two never missed a day. Anyway, we went in and they were all dead. The father and the two children. Throats cut sitting at the table over the remains of breakfast. She was hanging from a beam over the table. He killed them? No, she did. Poisoned their food, or crushed sleeping tablets into it. So I suppose at least they didn't know. Or maybe they did. I still see it. She was wearing a blue dress, this bright blue... One shoe had fallen off and knocked over the sugar bowl. There was all this blood and sugar congealed on the yellow Formica tabletop. The radio was on. Mostly static. But then, it's hard to believe, a classical station broke through just after we came in. <laughs> and they played the Blue Danube. Did you? Yes. I took photos. And I developed them when I got back. Looked at them once, burned them. And the original film. Did anyone say why it happened? No one seemed to know for sure. There was a story she was having an affair. The butcher's son. He was 17. Maybe it was just a rumour. He was gone. I never saw him. They said her husband was depressed, drank a lot. Who knows? I kept thinking about the son who might come home after the war to find what? Them dead. This story waiting for him. What was it like? Again? Please. 
He was, you know, lovely. We were young, so young. His eyes were this very deep brown, soft somehow. Like, did you ever stand to look at a river in late spring and you know there are trout just under the surface? If it rains, they leap up to the air, to life. That's how his eyes were. We were in college, both waiting to see our tutor, standing in the corridor, shuffling for a bit. Then he smiled and held out his hand. Simon. We shook hands. That was all. It was months before we became lovers. I don't think I've ever met anyone so gentle or so funny. Wild, too. This natural wildness. He didn't care. Oh, I don't mean for people. For convention. Once he lay on the street in the evening traffic, waving a bunch of sunflowers and a bottle of wine, shouting, free yourselves, free yourselves. God is everywhere except in money and cars. One guy tried to beat him up, but most of them laughed. Another time, he did a streak in the snow, said he always wanted to know what it would be like to be a snowman. (laughs) (laughs) When I got pregnant in our last year of college, he wanted me to keep the baby. I couldn't, not with my family. He came with me to the clinic. He was great, but I knew he hated it. We broke up after that. It was five years before I saw him again. He was living in Paris. We met by accident in the post office near the famous mosque, you know, near the Jardin de Plantes. It was so good to see him. All the old warmth. We decided to take a holiday together in the south, see how we got on. It was a night train. We'd been drinking a bit... I remember we laughed a lot and ate chocolate. Then we fell asleep. We woke up at our station and we were still drowsy. The train was just pulling out very slowly. I said, let's jump. We were laughing again. It should have been fine. He hesitated. I remember I said, coward, and I jumped and turned back towards him. And then he fell, got tangled in his rucksack, and he fell on his head onto the platform. And he died there, a minute later, on the platform. There was a woman with an Alsatian dog beside me. I turned him over, and then the light left his eyes. The life looking into mine. And then... I don't remember. The snow grave... Yes. The snow grave. The cemetery he was buried in was covered in snow. The whole countryside was white. His mother was jubilant. Oh, I heard her say to her perfect friends, a sad end to Simon. All she left out was, I always knew he'd come to a bad end. But it was in there, implied in the martyr's smile. Nine priests on the altar. All that he hated. I couldn't meet them. I knew that they all blamed me. I walked out to the grave and waited there till they did their mass. 
There was nothing to say, nothing to be said. Nothing I wanted to hear. I stayed with friends that night. They had an apartment beside the canal. We went out late for drinks. The canal was frozen over and I walked out onto it. Thought nothing of it. Then the next day, on the train back, I wiped the window to see out. And the past hit me like a small explosion. When we were in college and lived together that almost last year, we smoked a lot, a lot of hash. Mostly it was great. But one night I had these awful dreams, hallucinations really, and they freaked me out for a long time after. I saw this figure walking on water, like Jesus. I saw snow and ice, an eternity of it. And this sinister Jack Frost figure grinning at me where the moon should be. And on that train, that day after Simon's funeral, it was all there, staring back at me. Me, walking on water, the snow, the ice... I'd seen his death. It was all there, all the time. In time. Yes. Yes. Years and years later, I was looking up a reference to Homer. Uh, I don't remember. And there it was. Homeric laughter. The laughter of the gods. It was the dream I had. I was with him in the dream, somewhere I don't know where. He told me he was getting married. He was very happy. And for the ceremony, he said they'd both stand naked on her wedding dress. It was just like something he'd do. We began to laugh. And I woke up with his laughter in my head, ringing out so clear. And I was happy for a long time after. It was like I'd really met him again. Like he's alive somewhere. Do you love me? Yes, of course. As much as you loved Simon? Don't. It's not a game. I loved him. I love you. We live now in this day, in this room, here... Yes. Will you hold me? Yes. Do you hear it? What? Nightingale. I don't hear anything. It's that pitch since Bosnia, the shelling. That pitch. I can't hear it. In the park. Let me open the window. Do you hear it now? Yes. Like a little silver hammer driving nails of light into the dark. I read that somewhere. Are you happy? Most of the time. I'm happy now. Good. Tell me a story. A true story, or... Whatever you like. 
Up here, sad. There's a difference? There's a difference. Funny, then. Why not? My uncle used to tell this. I don't know if he made it up or if it's older. There was a man in a town, a very, very tall, very thin man, and everyone said he was a fool. His arms were so long they almost reached his knees. He used to say he'd make a ladder to the moon, go and come back and tell them all what was on the moon, what it was made of, were there people there or not. And they all laughed at him and said he was a fool and the moon was the best place for him. He used to stand out in his small garden at night and watch the sky and say he was measuring the distance from earth to moon. And it varied depending on whether the moon was full or a half moon or a crescent moon or just a sliver that you'd barely see. He had a small workshop and he worked in there for years and years. People heard the sound of hammering and sawing and they'd laugh and say, listen to that, that mad fellow is building his ladder to the moon. <laughs> then he vanished. One Sunday night, gone. Not a trace. He was away for a month. When he came back, he was even thinner and very pale and spent most of his time in bed. One woman used to look after him a little and eventually he told her. He'd built his ladder, got the length and the angle just perfect, propped it up to the new moon and set off climbing. Up he went and up and up and up and when he reached the top, he put his hand in on the moon. And what did he find but a whole pile of old moons, all shapes and sizes, thrown there like old bits of broken lamps. And nothing else, no people, no nothing, only dust. And he didn't want to tell anyone because he knew they'd laugh at him and say it wasn't true, but he knew it was true. He lay there, sighing and laughing, saying over and over, and to think I was so foolish all these years, nothing but dust and a pile of old moons. <laughs> it's not so funny, though. No, it's not. Was she as beautiful as in the photo? Yes. Where was it taken? I told you before. Italy. The train was on the platform in Milan. It was around seven in the morning. We'd been travelling all night from Germany. It was our, my, first time there. I'll never forget the heat, the life, the morning starting. We were going on to Turin, but we had an hour. So we walked out of the station. Noise, dirt, people begging. Two nuns in white swept by life and I thought I love this I've come home ridiculous why did I feel that with poverty and religion flaunting themselves there in the street but I did and so did she I took the photo when we went back in her leaning out the train window one of the times you know when you could die in the moment and be happy Yes. Six months after that, she disappeared. I never know whether to say disappeared or vanished or left. 
I thought everything was great. I thought we were happy. I was away for the weekend visiting my family. She didn't want to come with me. That was okay. But when I came back on the Sunday evening, all the lights were on the apartment. She was gone. Everything. All her clothes, her books, her music, her violin. All gone. And a note. A cliché. I thought, this is a film. It isn't life. A note. One line. Don't look for me. And of course I looked. And I thought I saw her everywhere. On buses, in the street, in mirrors. I smelt her perfume. I heard her voice. I went to the police and reported her missing. I think they thought I was a madman. I rang her mother, but she wouldn't talk to me. Leave us alone, she said. We're old. We never understood her. It's a game. She's always played games with us. Leave us alone. I searched, and I searched, but I never saw her again. I thought, the police are right. I have gone mad. I think I must have. Why else would I go off to take photos in Bosnia? I think somehow I thought I'd find her in the middle of war. I don't know what I was thinking. I didn't believe anyone could disappear out of life like that. They can. No, I know, but not like that. I mean still alive, but gone. She'll come back, you know. She will come back. Don't say that. Why would you say that? Why say it now? I don't want her to come back. Seven years. I just want to know why. But I don't want her back. Maybe I should have told you before. When we were going to the south that time, when he died, Simon wanted to go to Saint-Marie de la Mer. You know, in the Camargue, where Mary was supposed to have lived after Christ died. Herself and Mary Magdalene. He'd read about it and wanted to see the church and the statues of the saints. It was in my head then, ever afterwards, but I put it away, just like I never went back to where they buried him. But last month... Remember I said I was going home? Well, I didn't go. I don't know why. I just knew I had to do it. I flew to Montpellier and hired a car and went to Saint-Marie. It was the Friday when the gypsies bring St. Sarah to the sea and back. It was so hot in the crypt I thought I'd faint. Hundreds and hundreds of candles burning and melting and queues of people to touch the statue. Her face is carved from wood. She's black. One of the stories says she was Egyptian. But her face... It was like touching a living face. The wood was warm from all the heat and probably from all the hands. It was like touching another human face. Then I went and sat in the church near the statues of the two Marys and I watched the people coming up to touch them to touch their clothes and their faces. The faces, I don't know. Placid, but not blank. Calm somehow. 
Children held up to kiss them, old women, men you'd expect to run a mile from any church. One young Spanish guy, well, I heard him speak in some kind of Spanish later, had both his arms in plaster. He was about 16. Black, vivid. He could have been a bullfighter. He held both broken arms up to touch the two statues. Then a woman came and took a small package from tissue paper, took something from a box, rubbed it against the bodies of the two statues. I couldn't see properly for a minute, then I saw it clearly. A pack of cards. She was young, about my own age, blonde hair. She was with an older woman who was carrying a baby. They went up through the church, disappeared in the crowd. Anyway... I followed the procession to the sea, the white horses of the Camargue men, the flowers, people wading into the water, and later, in a bar, listening to the singing, I saw her again, and I went and asked her to read the cards for me. And she saw everything. Simon, the fall, his snow grave, you, her. She said she's still alive. That she'll come back into your life when you don't expect it. When you need her. Where will you be then? She said I'd leave a very good name for my grandchildren. This story... It's not a story. It's true. I don't believe it. I don't believe that anyone can see the future. And the past. She saw both. I only want the present. I don't want to know the rest. Except why. I want you to be happy. I want our child to be happy. She will be. No, he will. He? How do you know that? I know it. When Colm Kill was an old man on Iona, a few days before he died, he was sitting out in a rock by the sea looking at everything for the last time. And a horse, an old white horse that had been his friend, came and put his head in his lap and wept. This morning in the shower, I was so happy. I remembered nothing, only the future. I was washing my breasts and thinking about a baby suckling. Then I felt something, something in my left breast... A lump that shouldn't be there. That's all I know. It can't be. I know. I know it can't. I know it can't be. But it is.
What are you thinking of? What we talked about last time. That you can't save the other person. That you have to be able to let go. That you have to protect yourself. Not get that fist in the face or the shard in the heart. Guilt, you know? The worry. The crap of it all. To not feel guilt or feel responsible. Yes. I keep thinking of her when we first met and I wonder how could I not have seen... I don't know. The hurt, I suppose. No, that's not right. I did see the hurt, but I didn't see how huge it was. How much damage it could do. She was radiant in college. No other word. Sometimes cliché is so true. Lit up a room. And I fell in love with her. Simple. Was it simple? Yes. For me, anyway. And I thought it was for her. Though looking back, I I don't think she ever told me she loved me without a, a tease or a laugh or some hint of mockery. And she never talked about the past, about anyone before me. It wasn't just another country, the past. It was a jail... A cell, locked up, chained, her own, oh, I don't know, her own fortress in another country. And she made it all seductive somehow. This hint, this scent of mystery. She wouldn't take me to meet her family. In a way, I didn't mind. I just wanted her for myself. And you know, the awful irony, she didn't drink and I... I wanted her to. A glass of Guinness, a glass of wine. And she'd make a face and say she didn't like it. And I'd say, take another sip. Jesus. Do you blame yourself? For her drinking? No. I know it wasn't anything to do with me. Not really. Did anything happen to change the way she drank? Sometimes it's imperceptible. Sometimes it's quite dramatic. Or seems so. I suppose this was dramatic, all right. Though I think if it hadn't been this, it would have been something else. We went to Greece on holidays. Took this trip from Kos to Patmos. God, it was beautiful. Sun blazing down. And a woman threw herself overboard when we were coming into harbour. Sarah was standing beside her and then this woman, I don't know what age she was, young, thirties, we thought she was old. She climbed up onto the edge of the ferry and stood for a second with her arms out. She had jet black hair. It was like a moment in a film. And she jumped, no sound from her. Seagulls, I think. And then a scream from Sarah. 
and the woman was gone under the sea. Into the blue. Gone. We stared with the crowd. Sarah was shaking. Sick. She asked me for a drink. I had one of those hip flasks with brandy. I think I thought it was Ernest Hemingway or someone hard-nosed, a drinker, though I almost never used it. And she clung to it that day, the way a toddler grips its bottle. Drank most of it. Gulped it down, hardly a splutter. And I'll never forget this kind of wrecked, desperate light in her eyes. That was the first start of it. An old man in Ireland said that to me once. That was the first start of it. I think it must be from Irish, but it's perfect. The first start of it. And I remember she said, the sun. She was burned by the sun. Did you understand what she meant? No. And I didn't want to upset her any more than she was. With questions, I mean. What happened then? Did you stay on that island? We stayed five days. In a small house near the port. A kind of Greek B&B. It was clean. A really simple room. Big wooden double bed. Dark wood. An old woman ran it. A widow. We figured out that much. A boiled egg, bread, yoghurt and honey every morning. Sarah seemed okay again. A bit quieter than she usually was. We went to see the cave where John supposedly got his revelations. Old women kissing the ground, the walls. This fat monk who stared at Sarah... And when I wasn't looking, just lifted her up. Moved her from where she was looking at an icon, I think the most sacred one, and plonked her down a few feet away. Amazing. The neck of him, in every way. It was like he was saying, Woman, don't dare show your face to our God. Not your flesh, because Sarah was wearing a fairly long dress. Not low cut, no bare arms even. So it was the audacity of the face. I wanted to clock him, but Sarah was oddly calm about it all. It doesn't matter, she said. Honestly, it doesn't matter. Leave it. And did you leave it? I did. Maybe you take the easy option too easily. Or too quickly. I sometimes think about that. My father used to say, anything for peace sake. But maybe sometimes a fight is necessary. Defend your ground. Or your woman. Or your woman. Did she talk about it afterwards? Blame you or say why she wasn't angry or upset or... No. I asked her and she said she didn't want to talk about it. Wouldn't talk about it. 
We went back to her room. She went for a sleep. And that evening the woman's body washed up in the harbour. There was a bit of commotion. Noise. We were sitting out, drinking raki. Our landlady set up this cry. We walked down to see what was happening. They were taking her body out of the water in a fishing net. When they placed her down on the pier, two men... Her face was... You couldn't see. Her face was eaten. Fish. I don't know. One of the men took off his shirt, folded it, covered her face. Her landlady was standing there, beating her chest with both her hands and saying something over and over. The man, he said to us, she hid her shame from the sun. That's what she's saying. She hid her shame from the sun. The woman who drowned, was she pregnant? I don't know. She certainly didn't look like she was, but... The other man said, she's a stranger. Her hair had strands of seaweed in it. Sarah said, let's get the hell out of here. Would have left right then, but there was no ferry till the next morning. Then we went on to Athens. Drank in the bars near the port. She was all energy in this kind of high giddiness. We danced and went to clubs. She drank like there was no tomorrow. I suppose I did too, but it wasn't the same. I think I have this inbuilt self-protection. I know when to stop. She seemed like she didn't want to stop. And she was reckless. She went off with. She slept with a few other guys. I didn't like it, but... How did it make you feel? Confused. Jealous. A bit. But Sarah said jealousy was old hat. It was all about freedom. And if there was no freedom, there was no love. So you let her sleep with these other guys? You let them screw her? What else could I do? Lock her in our room? Walk away? Forbid it? You could have said no. You could have talked to her. I'd like to have seen you try. There was no talking to her. She was her own law. I did try to one out after she came back to her room. She hit me and then she started sobbing and saying she'd throw herself in the sea. Like the woman from the sun on Patmos. She was crazy. I think she'd been taking coke as well. When she hit you, what did you do? Did you hit her back? 
God, no. Maybe I should have. Maybe it would have shocked her back to some kind of sanity. Anyway, I didn't. Did it excite you? Her sleeping with other men or hitting you? Did you not get a secret thrill? Some men do when their lover or wife goes with someone else. Well, I'm not one of those men. Call me old-fashioned. Are you sure? What did you do while she was off sleeping with the Greeks? They weren't all Greek. Mostly I slept. On my own. Or read. I was crazy about Rilke at the time. A scratch from a rose. I remember she came back one night and she had this long, faint scratch down her left thigh and I thought, that's what it is. A scratch from a rose. She had to go on better, of course. She said it was a scratch from a diamond. This street performer she'd been with, uh, a juggler. She said he was part of a diamond smuggling ring and he had a bag full of uncut diamonds. Said he'd poured them over her body, then traced the line down her leg with the biggest one. Fantasy. Expensive fantasy. So you were her pimp. Sorry? You were her pimp. I don't know what you mean. She went off with other men. You knew them, or some of them. She came home, told you stories of what happened, and you got a thrill from it. Isn't that true? No, it's not. There was no thrill. I hated it, really. But not enough to stop it. It became... compelling. But you hated it. You can be compelled by something you hate. Correct. Yes. And I was. Compelled. I didn't realise it then. But I started to hate her as well. And I think that's what she wanted. How do I know this is true? How do you know any of it is true? How do you know what anyone tells you is true? It might all be made up. Or reinvented. Or told to make me... Or whoever seemed like the good one. The saint. Is that what you wanted to be? A saint? Why would I want that? I don't know. Some men like being patient martyrs. Is that the same thing as a saint? A variation on it. Self-elected. The patient martyr can feel virtuous and tend to the psychic wounds of the afflicted. Kind of modern-day Saint Rock without the dog. You think it didn't hurt me? I don't know. Tell me. It began to rot something in me. And I began to hate her. And I think she loved that. She was drinking more and more and for a while I drank with her. Till I couldn't anymore. I told her I wanted to end it. She told me she loved me. No mockery this time. Said she'd kill herself if we broke up. And one day in Dublin, I just walked out. Took bugger all with me. 
never went back. And I was glad. Did she try to contact you? Oh, yes. Mad hysterical messages for a few days. Till I changed my phone. Emails. Begging. Threatening. Then I moved here and I suppose I worked really hard at forgetting. I always thought I didn't really carry any particular sense of guilt. Was free of all that Catholic stuff, but it was like guilt came to me. Or into me. Into dreams. To nights. I didn't sleep. Someone on the street would remind me of her. You know? So you went looking? Yes. Went back. Heard she was in London. Went looking for her. Found her. In a doorway near Soho. Sleeping rough. There was this dirty blue sleeping bag rolled up behind her. She was begging. I watched her from across the street. She looked like an old woman. No, that's not it. She still looked young, but she looked ancient as well. Teeth missing, hair straggling, matted. She was drinking a can of cheap beer. Had a six-pack on top of the sleeping bag. I watched her for a bit. Then went over. She put out her hand. Have you any change, mister? I need to eat. I looked into her eyes and I knew she hadn't a clue who I was. I gave her a tenner. She stared at it, then at me. You're lovely, she said. You're really lovely. And she gave me this big, gaping smile, touched my face, tried to hug me. You're really lovely. Give us a kiss. I had to ask her. Do you know me? Do you remember me? And she laughed. You're just trying to get off with me. You're just the same as them all. How did you feel about that? Jesus. How did I feel? How do you think? You tell me. One part of me... Like someone had pulled my heart out and fucked it into the gutter. Another part? Nothing. And you never saw her again? I did. I came back the next day. Same place. And now she was with this guy. Dreadlocks and dirt. They were shouting at each other. They kissing like young lovers. Watched them for a bit. Then I walked away. And every now and again I think, well, maybe she was happy. Maybe she is happy. How do I know? Do you think she knew you at all? She hadn't a clue who I was. Not a clue. 
and I know that should be hard to accept. And it was. But somewhere, you know, I think I was glad. Christ, what would I have done if she'd said, Oh, it's you. My lost love. My knight in shining armour. Take me home. Mind me. Cure me. Make me happy. What would you have done? Probably run as fast as fuck. Deny who I was. And now? Now I've met someone. I think I could love her. I hope she could love me. When I leave here, we're meeting. Walking in the park. We'll go for lunch. We'll see. Is she kind? Yes. Beautiful? I think so. Good. Because this is the last time. I'm going to tell you something. Can I tell you something? Strictly speaking, I shouldn't, but... Chances are we'll never see each other again. A long time ago, somewhere else, I walked away from my life. I left somebody behind. I'm sure I hurt him very deeply. But I had to do it. To live. Do you understand that? I think I do. I'm going to play something. And when I finish, I want you to be gone. And I want you to remember me. And I want, I hope, you'll be happy. Happy together. Forever? No, for now. If it happens at all, it happens forever. Same as music. Thank you. Thank you for being my good listener. Maybe... Can we meet? Away, I mean. Not here. You know we can't. We can't go back. So... Goodbye. Yes. Would you? So long. When I turn... I'll be gone.